0: as you think about human history or as you think about the future always keep in mind that god has a plan for all of it daniel chapter 2 gives a broad picture of what that plan looks like This chapter also reveals that God's plan includes you, serving him faithfully where he's placed you. It also offers some answers to some of the challenges and mysteries of life. You'll learn some of those in this lesson called Dreaming of the Future.
1: Now, as we've begun the biography of Daniel, we've learned that as a teenager, he was taken from his hometown of Jerusalem all the way to the capital city of the Babylonian Empire. But now, by God's design, Daniel is about to take center stage in this wonderful drama, and it all begins with a dream. The first verse of chapter 2 here in the biography tells us uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Now, we can understand this to mean that this dream kept recurring. It, It just won't go away, and it disturbed his sleep. He senses something unique and important about this dream. He just can't figure out what it is. So we read here in verse 2, The king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. The word Chaldeans often refers to the Babylonian people as a whole or as an ethnic group within the empire. And here it refers to a special class of astrologers. In fact, the four groups mentioned here in verse 2 are various classes of wise men. You might know them as magi. Now, centuries later, several of them are going to show up after the birth of Jesus, having seen his star in the east. These magi have believed the prophecy of Daniel that we'll eventually get to. These are spiritual descendants, then, of the greatest of the Magi to have ever lived in Babylon. And that Magi was Daniel himself. Now, Nebuchadnezzar demands here that these esteemed advisors tell the king his dreams. In other words, he hadn't forgotten his dream, but he's going to test these men. If they can tell him what the dream was— He'll have confidence that they're telling him the truth about what the dream means. Of course, if they can't tell him what the dream was, which is what they beg him here to do in verse 4, tell your servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. Well, they're just going to make something up to satisfy the king if the king just tells him what the dream was. But the king, well, he knows better. Uh, They got to tell him the dream. Or as he says here in verse 5, they're going to be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. In other words, he's going to get rid of them and start all over if they can't discern that that unseen world out there. If they can discern it, he promises here in verse 6, that they will be given gifts and rewards and great honor. See, this dream has had a powerful impact on King Nebuchadnezzar. And he's got to get the right answer. So these counselors here start stalling for time, but they actually tell the the king the truth eventually here in, in verse 10. There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. Well, in a rage, the king's going to keep his word. He commands that all the magi of Babylon be collected and put to death his captain a man named Arioch is sent to round them all up and take them away now when Arioch comes round to Daniel and his friends Daniel only then finds out what's going on evidently they hadn't been invited into these sessions with the other magi Daniel's reaction here demonstrates by the way great wisdom and and tact and faith apparently with Arioch's permission Daniel asks for some time to reveal the dream and its meaning. The word gets back to the king, and the king agrees, probably because Daniel seems rather confident that he can do it, whereas all these other men have said nobody on earth can do it. It's impossible. Next, we're told here that Daniel asks his three friends, in verse 18, to pray for him to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. By the way, that's a great example. If you're facing a dilemma today, you know one of the wisest things you can do is ask fellow believers to join you in prayer. Well, uh, God responds to their collective prayer meeting. The Bible records here in verse 19, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Now, don't, don't move too quickly here. I don't want you to miss the fact that Daniel doesn't immediately rush off to the king. He actually takes time here to offer a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. And his prayer is a wonderful praise to God. He refers to God here as a, an all-sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise God, describing him here in verse 21 as the one who changes times and seasons and removes kings and sets up kings in verse 23 here, Daniel thanks God specifically for making known the king's matter. Now, when he's brought before the king in the morning, Daniel agrees, by the way, with his pagan colleagues, that no one on earth can do what the king had asked. However, he says here in verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I love that. Nebuchadnezzar, it's time you heard my personal testimony. I happen to belong to the true and living God who knows all there is to know. And then Daniel adds this little phrase here in verse 28. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So this was a significant dream after all. It relates to the latter days. That is, it's going to give a picture of the rise and fall of future empires And it's going to reach all the way to the second coming of Jesus Christ. By the way, beginning here in verse 4 of this chapter, and now going all the way through chapter 7, the biblical text shifts into the Aramaic language rather than Hebrew, and this is probably due to the content of these chapters being primarily about Gentile kingdoms in relation to Israel, while all the other parts of the book of Daniel deal with Jewish affairs. All right, that's, that's all background to this drama. Now Daniel goes on to describe the king's dream in detail, and Nebuchadnezzar has he's dreamed a, a, of a great image uh, the the head of this image is made of gold, its chest and arms are made of silver, its abdomen and thighs are made of bronze, its legs are iron, and its feet are made of mixed iron and clay. So the king then dreams this large stone rolls down and strikes the feet of the image and ultimately destroys the entire image the stone then grows until it fills the entire earth now i got to tell you that would <laughs> that would be confusing but daniel fortunately continues to give the king wonderful details and if you can just imagine the court of nebuchadnezzar i don't think they're breathing here Uh, The king is sitting on the edge of his throne, listening, and Daniel begins to tell Nebuchadnezzar here what it all means. Verse 38, "...you and your empire are the head of gold." Then verse 39, "...another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron." And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. Well, the ten toes are an extension of this fourth kingdom that represent ten kings in the latter days. Well, Nebuchadnezzar and you and me learn now that the head of gold represented the, the height of the power of the Babylonian empire. And we know from history that Nebuchadnezzar's empire will be succeeded by the empire of the Medes and Persians, as we're going to see in chapter 5. The third empire is Greece. That's going to be revealed to us over in chapter 8. And the fourth great empire will be Rome. The Ten Toes, or Ten Kings, represent a later form of global power in the end times, just before the return of Christ, it's going to eventually be destroyed when the stone, the cornerstone, that's the Lord Jesus, arrives and defeats the kingdoms of earth and establishes his millennial kingdom at his second coming. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't grasp the meaning of all of this, and it is a lot to follow. He could have used some study notes in a, in a study Bible. But he does understand that Daniel has spoken with supernatural insight. And he says to Daniel here in verse 47, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. He then goes on to promote Daniel to ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Verse 48. Daniel doesn't forget his three friends. He asks and is granted the request that his three friends are promoted to Daniel's assistance here in the province, while Daniel remains as chief advisor in the king's court. Daniel is now the leading wise man in the kingdom of Babylon. You know, it must have seemed like nothing but tragedy when Daniel and his friends were taken from their homeland to serve this, this pagan foreign king and kingdom. I mean, what what good could come out of that? Oh, but you see, God had an assignment for them in Babylon, and they're just beginning now to fulfill it by doing. And don't miss this: what you and I are to be doing uh, to this day, telling our pagan empire, telling our unbelieving world about the true and living God. Until next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
0: Today's lesson is called Dreaming of the Future. Stephen Davey is taking you through God's Word, all 66 books, in three years. You can help make this journey possible by joining the crew. The crew consists of people who want to see the truth of God's Word proclaimed and who support us to make it happen. Support us at wisdomonline.org and then join us next time.